I join with Mark with inviting you to come this afternoon. This will be our, our second year, right? Second year doing this. Um, and uh, man, it turned out to be my favorite moment of, of last year. Just to gather, have, have it, it's just so relaxing, um, just singing Christmas songs and having a good time. You may learn some things too about uh, some of our traditional uh, Christmas traditions and songs and what they're about. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And this is the week, right? This is the week. We're finally here. And so uh, we do have... Uh, oh, I just blew that out. Man, that, see my excitement just overwhelms the candle of... What is this? Joy? Yeah, there we go. Um, and so... Uh, <laughs> my joy overflows. Uh, um we do have the, the uh, food giveaway, uh, uh, food coming in this Wednesday, and then Wednesday night we'll be gathering at the church and going out and singing carols. So those that can't join us today, we're going to go out to them on Wednesday. And that's the heart of the church, right? There are those that can come to us, and then there's ones that we have to go out to. And so that's a, that's a cool opportunity. So get filled up tonight, and then go out on Wednesday, and then Christmas Eve service uh, 3.30, we do it in the afternoon, so those that don't drive in the darkness can have a chance to get home. Or if you're traveling uh, Christmas Eve and going to be somewhere else Christmas Day, that lets you kind of get where you're going if it's not too far away. And then Sunday morning, we will not have this service or life group, but we will have a combined 10.30 service. And then we did the same, we're going to do the same thing on New Year's Eve. We will have life group at 9, or New Year's Day, but because so many of us will stay up late on New Year's Eve, we thought, let's just have two combined services two weeks in a row. Well, I want to talk this morning. I had two, uh, two titles, but I went with the second one, and I'm still blowing it out. I might just have to let it go after this one. Let's try it. All right, there you go. Oh, no, no. Well, yeah, wick is, is tight. Yeah, there we go. All right, well, we'll have joy here, not there. <laughs> um, but I want to talk about God's perfect plan and timing. Such a big topic. As we related last week, one of the biggest hurdles we have to following God's plan for our lives is releasing the dream of what we thought our journey should be. Every person, in order to grow, has to release to God their future plans so they can receive God's perfect plans for their life. It just dawned on me last night. I was watching. I still, I, I'm convinced. After living so many years, I'm convinced this is the greatest movie of all time. It's a wonderful life. It's a tradition. I have to watch it every year. And each year it ministers to me differently because I'm at a different age and stage in life. But where it resonated with me last night was that's that exact truth. That's that George Bailey is suffering because he never attained the dreams he thought his life was about. To the point of utter despair where he wished he was rather dead than alive. But the point of the movie is, when we really look back on our life, and we live a life where we're willing to surrender our hopes and our dreams and our passions for the benefit of others, and in our, in our sense, for the case of Christ, we live a far better life. And so that's the gist of this, this message and the summary of last week's message is you have to release the dream 
of what you thought your life was going to be or what it should be to embrace God's design for your life. And so if you don't do this, you'll be in a constant battle with God. You'll be frustrated constantly by your circumstances and situations. You'll have times where you'll feel abandoned and may even end up depressed. But what I love about the nativity story is it is chaotic and from our perspective, really imperfect. And that's our limited human perspective of the events. Um, You could even claim if you look at the details, just the details, that those involved are victims of circumstance. A victim is a huge word we like to use in our culture today, right? The greatest victim wins. Instead, I call it unprepared perfection. This was the other sermon title that I was going to use, but unprepared perfection. We are unprepared for what happens next, but God isn't. And it's his perfect plan. So we take our unpreparedness and God's perfection and put it together. Perfectly planned, perfectly executed. I mean, if you think about it, God wouldn't leave this moment up to chance. He's been preparing this since the beginning of time. God in human flesh coming to save humanity and heal his creation. And I always have to relate this back to our lives. Did he stop planning the story after Jesus came and died and rose again and ascended into heaven? Did he say, okay, you guys got it from here. I wrote my part. Now you take care of the rest. No. He is just as passionate and prepared and planned out for today and tomorrow and the next day, Lord willing. And so we don't have to feel like we're floundering in the, in the streams of history. He has a perfect plan outside of our ability to control it. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 5. We're going to stay in Luke today. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. Obviously pregnant. Wow. Are we a victim of political schemes and maneuvering? Are we a victim of political schemes and maneuvering? If you were to read this paragraph at face value, it seems that way for Mary and Joseph. Their occupying force, their foreign invader, the Romans, are demanding a census. And it just so happens to be that the census is demanded within the nine-month period that Mary is pregnant. What terrible luck! And unfortunately... Mary and Joseph, as we know, live in the small town of Nazareth near Galilee, in Galilee, and they have to travel to Bethlehem and Judea. So they've got to move from the north to the south, a 90-mile trek, which in today's road system and vehicles is about a two-hour drive. But they won't be traveling by car. And being poor country people, you almost always see an image of Mary on a camel or a, a donkey But there's no guarantee that they had any beast of burden on which to travel. She might have walked those 90 miles on her feet. 
So it would be a long distance with a very pregnant woman who is carrying God in her womb. So it would be easy to get frustrated with the Roman government for making things so difficult for them. And so like most Americans, I spend my fair share of time being frustrated with our federal government. Their decisions affect how we live, what we can afford, what jobs we carry, and even our rights and freedoms. I get downhearted and depressed sometimes when our government legalizes sinful behaviors and restricts the rights and beliefs of our faith. Is God any less involved in our place in history as he was 2,000 years ago when Jesus was about to be born? That's Morgantown. Especially now that the sacrifice of Jesus on earth is done, And we are now the bearers of the greatest love story of all time. That's the salvation of all who believe. Is it possible that God is controlling and maneuvering things into place so that his ultimate plans for the the world will work in spite of the failures and shortcomings of our national government? I mean, from our perspective, it looks like, oh, we're in a terrible place. How... If I were running the government, I could fix all this. They're a bunch of idiots, right? We come up with all this stuff. But could it be that God is utilizing these spheres of government to form his perfect plan? And so the challenge for all of us in the day and age we live is to not pick up the pen again and say, I'm going to write my story my way. Leave it in his hands. The census caused his plan to come to fruition. The Roman invader was part of his plan. And I could, I could spend the whole morning talking about the benefits of the Roman government, right? Road systems, running water, <laughs> toilets. I mean, it's all there. And then when the church is formed, the, the new believers could travel most of the known world to share the gospel because of the Roman invasion. Let's keep reading, verses 6 and 7. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. So, is this terrible timing or perfect timing? Again, let's look at it from a human, purely human perspective. Let's disregard any supernatural going on here. And let's look at it through our normal eyes. Long, painful trip with a pregnant woman. I'm about to take a long, painful trip with six children in a car (laughs) where they have DVD players and all the rest, right? That's painful. Not as painful as this. Their pace would be slower than anyone else because of the pregnancy. They would see caravans passing them by. Even friends and family would not go at their pace, probably. And then when they finally show up at Bethlehem, another small town, just like the small town they're coming from, obviously there's no room for them. There's no house, there's no inn, every place is filled up, and so the only place available is the barn. They have to go back to Bethlehem. And so they spend the night in the barn with the sights and smells that that brings. And then... The contractions start. Mary's water breaks. The baby is coming. 
no soft sheets, no family around for support. That midwife that I had handpicked to help deliver this baby is not here. You're stuck with your future husband, Joseph, in a stinky, smelly barn. No disinfectant, no gloves, <laughs> nothing. So are Mary and Joseph victims of bad luck? Well, the prophecy said that the Messiah would be a king in the descendant of the line of David, both in Mary and in Joseph, check and check, that he would be born in Bethlehem. How else does a family who's living in Nazareth in the northern kingdom end up in Bethlehem 90 miles away? How else? The census brings them to Bethlehem. Check. So Jesus the Messiah would be from the northern kingdom in Galilee and would be born in the southern kingdom of Judea. So he would be a bridge between the north and the south. He may have northern roots, but he's born with a southern twang. Right? He crosses the, the, the bridge of both gaps in the kingdom. A king who is born in a barn, unassuming, no normal pregnancy, no normal birth. Being born in this manner isn't a matter of bad luck, but perfect planning. The God of the universe would be able to connect with the lowest of the low, the poorest of the poor, and he came for everyone. How often do we think that our humble beginnings, whatever that might be, hinder God's plan for our life? I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I wasn't born to a family uh, that, that's a mom and a dad both involved. I wasn't born in a great situation. I was born... Listen, in God's perfect plan, God in human flesh, He picked one of the worst scenarios to be born in. I mean, it's not quite Moses where Mary and Joseph are commanded to kill their son as soon as he's born. It's not quite that bad, but it's pretty bad. And he says, I came for you. No matter how low or insignificant you feel from your first moments, I can relate. I can relate. What uncomfortable or challenging circumstances are you facing that seem to be bad luck? But in God's eyes, it's His perfect plan for you. Designed to make you into who you're supposed to be and opening doors that would otherwise be closed. Again, it's a wonderful life, right? It takes Clarence showing up on the scene to walk George Bailey through the different steps of his life. His brother, who's a war hero, Harry Bailey, he sees his grave. No, no, he, he, was, he was a hero in the war. He got the Medal of Honor. He saved all the, the men on that transport. No, he died because you weren't there to save him when he broke through the ice as a kid. Your wife, I always think it's funny that his wife ends up a librarian. Like, that's the worst possible thing possible. She's an old maid and a librarian, you know? Never had any kids. And you just kind of go through the line. His mom becomes bitter. The whole town becomes Potterville. You cannot measure your impact when you compare it from what your dreams of, of what your life was supposed to be, to what God's already actually done in through you and will continue to do so. It's not fair to yourself, and it's not fair to God's plan. 
You already have made a profound impact on the world, and you'll continue to do so as you walk in obedience to God. So God's plans can work through governmental structures and uncomfortable, less than ideal situations. Flat tires, sickness, traffic, you name it, God can work through it. Let's keep reading. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Yes, the Savior, yes, the Messiah of the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. Again, let's look at the situation, the scenario. It just so happens that there are shepherds taking care of of their flocks that night right outside of Bethlehem. Now, I've been in that area. I don't know. Things can change in 2,000 years. But it's not like the grassy fields that we see behind our church. They might have to travel for a couple miles to find a source of food for their sheep and water for their flocks. And the fact that they were right outside of Bethlehem just seems like coincidence. They're within walking distance of the Christ who was born according to God's preordained plan. And their invitation is to be the first witnesses to Christ's birth. And it was symbolic of God's entire love story with humanity. You remember who the first shepherd in the Bible was? It was Abel. Abel was the first shepherd who sacrificed a lamb to God. And God accepted it. And and it was the, the premise, the understanding that Uh, Something perfect has to die in our place. Then it was, as we talked about last week, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David, they were all shepherds. So the reality is that Jesus came to be the perfect sacrificial lamb to die for the sins of humanity for all time. Who else should be the first witnesses but shepherds? And where else would a lamb be born but in a barn? It's It's the story of love from the very beginning all the way back to Abel. The lamb will die in my place. Will come, shepherds, because the perfect lamb, the last lamb to die for anyone's sin has been born this night. you got to see this perfect lamb. (laughs) It's unlike any lamb you've ever seen. And it's in a place where you feel comfortable in a barn. And when the angelic hosts appear, what is the first thing the angel says? The same thing the angel said to Mary and to Joseph. Don't be afraid. 
God has a plan. God has a purpose. It may feel like the world is crashing down you, quite literally, but God is causing everything to actually fall into place. Shepherds had always been the messengers of God's love and character to the world. No matter how great or powerful the nation of Israel had become, without God, they were always fully aware that they would have been just shepherds moving from place to place without God. But being a shepherd is not a lowly position. It's the position of greatest honor. These shepherds are not a victim to their job, status, or placement in life. They are not victims. Mary and Joseph weren't victims, and now the shepherds aren't. Now, I'm not saying that they didn't have days where they said, man, I just want a normal life. I want to go home to my wife every night. I want to have meals inside of my house instead of out in the, in the country. I want to sleep in a warm bed every once in a while. I'm tired of taking care of dumb sheep. I pulled this sheep, this exact sheep, out of the same bush for two weeks. I, I want a normal life. I'm not saying that. Back to it's a wonderful life. That old, awful Bailey building alone. He hated his calling. He hated his job. But by the end of the movie, he was thankful that he had inherited that from his father because he understood that was the vehicle of God's calling for his life to make the difference in a whole town. Because they were shepherds, they were witnesses to the greatest concert of all time. Better than the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. The greatest concert of all time. How many of you like going to concerts? None of you. Okay, no. no. We go because of the experience. The greatest concert of all time. Because they were shepherds, they were the first to see the Messiah. Besides Mary and Joseph. Because they were shepherds, they were first to announce the birth. Because they were shepherds, they understood how much Jesus loved them as he was the perfect lamb of the sacrifice and also the good shepherd who would lay down his life for the sheep. You are not a victim of your status, position, or job. You are where you, are need, where you need to be to experience the fullness of God's presence planned for you so that you can reach those who God has called you to. Now, I had a really cool experience this week. Well, the past couple weeks, actually, but it, it culminated this week. Uh, before Thanksgiving, my washing machine went out and my oven went out. I called Bob for help. I was like, Bob, you got to help me here. And he, he led me in the right direction. So, yeah, what do you do when you got so many kids and you got to wash so many clothes? And, and my wife cooks, and she's a great cook. We don't have an oven, and it's Thanksgiving, and so we did a lot of crock pots. But... I had two separate servicemen come out and look at these devices, and both of them said, yeah, you know, it's going to cost too much to repair. You might as well buy new utilities. And I'm frustrated, because I bought these utilities when we built the house. They're only three years old. And it seemed like a waste of time and money and resources. So last Saturday, I bought an oven, and... Uh, I had my neighbor help me install it. He works for Dominion Gas, and it's a propane oven. And so before I blew up the house by myself, I said, at least if I'm going to blow it up, I'm going to have somebody with me that I can partially blame. No. Uh, and so my neighbor came over, 
and, and help me install the oven. And we had this great kind of catching up and bonding time because we've been so busy in so many different directions. We just haven't had the time to connect. And it was really, really good. And I was so thankful for that. And then this past Tuesday, the new washer arrived. And there's two guys that came to install it. And uh, the one guy I'd, I'd worked with for a while, but his son came with him. And uh, I hadn't met him before, or so I didn't think so. And so when, I, when his son came up and, we, and shook hands, immediately there was some like form of recognition. Like he recognized me and I recognized him, but we couldn't figure out how. And we're kind of going through like every possible scenario. Did you go to school here? Uh, did you work here? Uh, did you go to church here? And so we were trying to figure all that out. And uh, as he's telling me his story, he, he plays drums for a couple churches in the area. Um, he loves the Lord, and I just, I just couldn't place him. And finally, it dawned on him. When I was an associate pastor at Kingdom, he would come to the church as a college student with his grandmother. And as soon as he told me that, all those memories flooded back in. Because I remember they would sit on the front row, him and his grandmother, and immediately I felt burdened for him. Immediately the first time I met him, I just had this love of God for him, and I would pray for him, and I spent some time praying for him, and he admitted to me just this week, you know, I was in college, I was kind of living the college life, I wasn't following the Lord like I needed to, my grandmother was sending me a lifeline, and so every time he came to church, I made a point to connect with him and, and ask how he was doing and all the rest. That was like 10 years ago, and I... I I didn't know what happened to him. And I'd actually forgotten about him. And so here he's telling me all of this stuff. So I want to tell you, I wasn't a victim of my circumstance when my washer went kaput and my oven broke down. It wasn't bad luck. It wasn't the system of appliances that go bad, that don't last, and it wasn't a result of terrible timing. God orchestrated a situation where I was able to minister to someone and they were able to minister to me. I was unprepared for what God was going to do, but it was all part of his perfect plan and timing. And that's what this passage reminds us, that Jesus has us. All things work for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. Your undesirable circumstances and situations make you available to play your part in the greatest love story of all time. But here's the thing. No one gets to choose their own part. Every year, a couple times a year, uh, Miss Karen does a, a play with the school. And I'm sure every kid wishes they could choose what part they get to play. But it's her responsibility to choose what kid does what. Well, God is the one that chooses our part to play. And we can get mad because we want to be more visible. We want to be more front and center. We can get mad because we want more speaking parts or maybe less speaking parts. And so I want to tell you that every person is essential to God's story. And you may think, well, yeah, right. I'm a minor character, if at all, in God's story. I'm a shrub. I'm a leaf. I'm a twig. I have nothing to do with God's perfect plan. And that's not true. In this passage, we see that God celebrates the minor roles. The poor, 
the country folk, the outsiders, the shepherds, in a really special and unique way. It's what I love about the nativity. It speaks to all of us and says you have eternal worth and value. And the flip side of it is, who, what are the people that aren't mentioning doing? What are the rich? What are the powerful? What are the palm, prominent? What are the popular doing that fateful night in Bethlehem? They're sleeping. They miss out. They have no idea what's going on. God uses those that are available to him. Now, can he use the powerful and the prominent and the rich and the popular? Absolutely. But they've got to be willing to listen. Got to be willing to pursue God. Got to be willing to lay aside even their fulfilled hopes and dreams to pursue what God has for them. We are not victims. We are victors. And you may feel unprepared for what God is bringing you through, but be assured it is part of his perfect plan. Let me remind you guys that you are part of this church. And this church is unique. It's unique in the sense that I'm not a pastor who just comes up here and says, do what I tell you to do, and I'm in charge of everything, and I'm going to do things my way, and if you want to stick around here, you've got to completely submit to what I want to do. That's not what this church is designed to be. I understand in Scripture that we are a body of believers, each uniquely gifted and called. And you're here because you're called to be a minister of the gospel here as well. My job is to equip you, the saints, to do the ministry. And so you should feel, and if you don't, we got to fix this, you should feel empowered and encouraged and a part of something unique and special. Because here in this church, we all have a part and a role to play in the building of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm just one part of it. No greater, no lesser than you. That should excite you. Because that's what the body of Christ is intended to be. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that this truth of your coming is so unplanned from our perspective and yet so perfect from yours. God, help us to switch our mentality from this victim mentality that's so pervasive in our culture to a victor mentality, knowing that you are orchestrating and writing our story, and if we're walking in faithful obedience, no matter what comes, you've got a reason and a plan, and it's for our good and benefit, and it's for the gospel to go forward and for lives to be changed in and through us. So God, let everybody be encouraged today. Help them, Lord Jesus, in the midst of their looking at their situations to see your hand at work and know, and know, just like Mary, just like Joseph, like the shepherds, that they are exactly where they need to be for the special calling you designed them to have. In your name we pray. Amen. The worship team comes forward. Let's, um, let's celebrate, praise the Lord, and let's receive fully what he has for us.